All right, everybody, welcome to episode 18 of In the Flat Podcast. So this week we'll dive into the latest in college football and start previewing some of the top teams we expect to challenge for the college football play next year, have a little GOAT discussion, and have a little fun with the Super Bowl predictions that wrap up the show. So let's start first with some of the college football news. Um, some of the things I saw out there, um, obviously Jim Harbaugh, since we last recorded, decided to stay at Michigan. He has to replace both offensive and defensive coordinators, which he's done. Um, but there's been a lot of drama as I don't think you expect anything different with Jim Harbaugh, um, with the coaches leaving like Josh Gaddis, I believe kind of left to go to Miami as the offensive coordinator, sent a text off to all the players, basically just, you know, not to stay where you're not wanted before going to Miami. Then I saw some pretty crazy rumors about him. I'm not sure if you guys saw those, but like sleeping with a recruit's mom and all kinds of craziness, but we're not going to go into all that here because we don't know if that's true. But if it is true, we'll have a few further discussions about it later. But there's just a lot of craziness going on in Michigan. They they kind of promoted some people from within, uh, brought in the defensive coordinator for Vanderbilt to, to do the defensive um, job here. So what do we think is going on in Michigan? Do you think they're, they're going to recover pretty nicely here? Or do you think that things are just about to fall apart there? Start with you, Ben. What are your thoughts on Michigan? I think Harbaugh wanted an NFL job and didn't get the one he wanted. I think that's what, what started. I think that opened the door to Gaddis maybe having some issues. Yeah, who knows? Maybe Gaddis even wanted that that head coaching spot. Maybe yeah. they weren't talking to him. I, I, who knows? Um, I, I Honestly, I still think Michigan's bigger problem is that they're chasing Ohio State, and they're going to be doing that every year. Um, Ohio State's loaded every year. Michigan's got a lot of talent, but not that kind of talent. Uh, I still think that's their bigger problem. So, yeah, they've got all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff to get together here, but the uh, I think the Ohio State thing is still bigger for them. Okay. Jordan, any, any comments there out there in Michigan? What are you hearing? Uh, it's it's the same thing with what Ben said. You know, they're going to have that chase in Ohio State um, kind of mentality going forward. Um, I did see that they have two they're, – they're turning the play calling for offense over to two guys. Um, they're – Last season's quarterback coach, um, Matt Wise, and then uh, Moore, who was their co-offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. They're in a split um, play calling duty. So I, I think it's a good idea to high, move up coaches that done a good job for you. But uh, the splitting of the duties, I, I don't think that's going to be a, a good thing for Michigan. It might backfire on them. Yeah, I mean, they did it last year, so they could, it could work again. But, you know, you have to have a really good dynamic between those two to really make that work. But I also wonder if this means that they're basically going to run Jim Harbaugh's offense, which I think is continuing to be a problem. He's trying to stay in that old age where you run the football a lot and then mix in the pass. And really, to get to the next level, they need to open up the playbook and really just be more of a dynamic offense where you can have a running quarterback – that could do things and throw the ball around, run to, to kind of counteract that. And I feel like that's where they're missing. Um, and I don't know if they're going to fix that with this problem. I was really hoping, you know, they would go outside the box a little bit with this hire and hire someone that could bring in some innovative ideas. But I think they just want to stay with the status quo, which I think will hurt them in the end. Um, I did want to talk about um, Josh Gaddis a bit, though. What do you think about this text message? If um, 
you're a leader of men, of young men, you're trying to grow and you're trying to coach. I don't know if this is the right thing to do when you're leaving, you know, to say, don't to stay where you're wanted and really badmouth a team that honestly gave you a chance. He had never been a play caller before this Michigan job. They gave him a chance. He's seeded. Now he's going to go make some good money in Miami. What do you guys think? I mean, is this, is this the right way to go out burning all the bridges? I mean, obviously we don't know what happened, but Ben, I mean, this is this going to end up turn around to bite in Josh Gaddis in the, in the butt later, later on in life, I think. It, it's not my style, but I, I understand that, you know, what, whether he feels right or wrong, he, this is emotion peeking through and frustration. Now, what, you know, five years from now, you're right. Maybe he looks back and think, yeah, I should have handled that maybe in a more professional way. Mm-hmm. You know, burning bridges is never a good idea. Uh, you never know when you're going to need somebody to hire you back at some other university or some other NFL level. So you, you don't want to do that. But I understand it if you're frustrated and who knows if he's right or wrong to feel that. But that's what he's feeling so that you're seeing the emotion peek through again, not my way. But I think that's what you're seeing. Yeah. Let's jump ahead here. Um, let's talk about Alabama defensive coordinator Pete Golding. He got arrested for a DUI charge. Um, I always, you know, when a coach in college gets discharged, I always, you know, find it hard. What would you, what, what, what needs to happen? What's the right thing? Because in my mind, if you're coaching and you're supposed to be basically helping to raise young men, then if you get a DUI, you shouldn't be a coach anymore in that for that program. You sh- that should be the penalty to me. Um, I saw a lot of comments online. This is Alabama. He'll probably miss a practice and then be back out there if he even misses that. Uh, what's the right call here, Jordan? What, what, what do you think? What should, what should happen to a coach these days in college that gets a DUI? Um, like as – uh, you know, thinking through Nick Saban's eyes, you know, or you know, you you want to probably fire him because at that point, I, I think we've talked about it before with uh, uh, the ex head coach uh, of the Jaguars and uh, how he going back to college, recruiting is not going to be the best thing for him. So it's the same thing, you know, you have. Uh, the Pete Golding going to a recruit's house and then a Georgia recruiter going and showing, Oh, he has a DUI. Do you want him showing how your kids, how to be, go to the next step of manhood. Yeah. And, and I, I think that that plays in recruiting such a big thing. You, you have to get that player to stay at your school with all the transfer and everything. So now recruiting is 10 times more than it used to be. Yeah. So with the DUI charge, he should be fired. And, but like you said, it's Alabama. I, I don't know if they'll find a defensive coordinator, especially in time to get him uh, acclimated with all the, the defense and everything. Yeah. And I'm not saying he should never have a job either. You know, obviously we all make mistakes in life. Um, but at to your point, I think this is when uh, maybe you need to go pursue an NFL position where you can go and kind of re-establish yourself, your, your life in order. And then down the line, if you want to be a college coach, maybe that's something you open up and you could teach lessons to kids that you learn about yourself. Ben, um, any, any closing comments on this one? Yeah, I, I'm not one to necessarily hold a hard line on everybody who makes a mistake, but I, I think you've got it about right, Tony. Being fired from this spot, moving on, getting a second chance somewhere else, that feels about right because you are dealing with, with leading other people and especially leading younger people. So that feels about right. You know, if it was a college kid, no matter how talented they were, 
they'd have some level of accountability too, some level of punishment. Who knows what that would be? So, yeah, that feels about right to me as well. All right. Uh, let's talk a little recruiting. We had um, a five-star defensive lineman. Um, I want to probably butcher his name, but Labidius Overton announced he's going to be skipping his senior season and reclassifying the 2022. Um, that's been more of a, a norm of, of lately with some of these top-tier players is skipping their senior season. Um, is this a right call? Is this you think this is NIL related? Obviously, the rumor is he's going to Texas A&M, um, which all they need is another DL, which they already have like 800, the top defensive linemen in the country. Um, is, is What do you think about this, uh, Ben? Do you think that this is the right call for these kids to be making to skip their senior season? Should they get that extra development and growth in high school? Or if you think they're ready, they should just be able to come out if they're able to graduate? I'm okay with it, uh, providing that you, you hit a couple of check marks, and that is, You've talked it over with your family. You're getting some guidance from mom or dad, whoever's there involved. And not everybody's body is the same. Some of these guys are ready at the age of 17 to play college football or to play next level football. Some guys aren't. Um, so not everybody's body is the same. Yeah, you know, and I think we'll probably see more of this with NIL deals and people want to get money quicker. And I think Quinn Ewers is a good example of that, the quarterback that came out with Ohio State for a year to get a million dollars and then transfer to Texas because Texas has different rules where you can't make money on NIL before a certain age and all that. So interesting to see that, how that trend continues. Um, another huge mess uh, we could talk about is uh, Brian Hartson and Auburn. Um, so players are coming out saying they were treated like dogs by the coach. They're transferring left and right. Um, certain players are speaking up saying that he just doesn't communicate well with those from different backgrounds to him. Uh, coaches are leaving the staff with no job in mind. Their offensive coordinator, Austin Davis came from the Seahawks, stayed six weeks and left. Derek Mason, the you know very um, well-regarded defensive coordinator, left after one year, no job in mind. He ended up getting the Oklahoma State job afterwards. Then there's rumors that he was having an affair with one of his female assistants that he brought over from Boise State. It's just uh, they're piling up, and it's an $18 million buyout for Auburn, who just is still paying for Gus Malzahn's buyout. And so they're scrambling to try to figure out what to do here. So – Jordan, what should they do? Should they should they just pull the plug now, or should they try to make this work? Uh, I, I feel like it's too late to pull the plug now. I feel like all the um, coaching hires are done, so I don't know who they would bring in that would turn I got an idea the mess around. So, so uh, Q Freeze is just hanging out there at Liberty if you want to hire a coach, even though you have to deal with those sanctions. Just throwing it out there. But uh, I say stick with it. I think um, I think you do a little bit more, uh, you know, investigation into it. Try to find out more, and and it's like the uh, Josh Gaddis leaving Michigan uh, emotions. That's the thing I think a player's um, emotions saying, "Oh, they treated us like dogs." You don't know until you they do an investigation, and a lot of it's just rumors. Um, so we don't know a hundred percent what it is that going on there. I say, keep them right now, do an investigation and see what you, they, they find out. And then they make the decision upon that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know if they're good. You know, obviously I don't think they can afford to buy them out. They might have to wait if they want to get rid of them or not. Unless the booster comes up with some money. Um, 
I just think they're in a really bad spot because he recruited terribly this year and they lost people. I just think they're going to be, they're going to be up against it in the SEC and they're going to just continue down this downward slide. I do wonder, do they think about a Hugh Freeze, Urban Meyer that come in here and try to fix things, even though those have a lot of issues, but you know, they, I think there, there might be in a spot where they might want to deal with those issues because they might be winning at the field. Ben, what do you say? Any, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think you guys are dead on. I, I agree with Jordan. I think you give it some more time, maybe another month or two, see what you can find out about what's actually happening. It actually bothers me a lot, if, if all this is true, that he's having that much trouble connecting with the players on his team. Uh, that's, that's I, don't, I don't know what percentage. That's a huge part of your job as a college football coach these days is to connect with your guys on some level, whether it's the Saban uh, Kelly level of, you know, CEO or whether it's the, you know, the players will run through a brick wall for you kind of a guy. On some level, you've got to connect with these guys. If you're not doing it, that actually bothers me a lot. But like you said, they're in a jam right now with the finances. They might not be able to afford it right now. So he, he may be sticking around another year, even though that's not really what everybody wants. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Um, there's some more issues out there in Arizona State. Herm Edwards, coaches leaving left or right. I just don't know why he hasn't been fired yet with all the, the various potential sanctions and recruiting violations and everything they have. They're, they're basically just blaming all the, the, the assistant coaches and they're all leaving, going back to the NFL, and he's sitting there. And I don't understand it because it's not like he's winning 10 or 11 games a season. They're, they're eight maybe nine win teams some couple one of the years he was there um so jordan should he just get rid of this guy now and move on uh i yeah you, you'd want them you want to see arizona state get rid of him and you know rebuild their coaching staff around someone new but it being arizona state and the mess that it is right now with all the coaches leaving and the scandals and I mean, their recruiting class is not great. Um, so you bring a coach in and you're going to take another two or three years to rebuild a good coaching staff, a good recruiting class, you know, all this. So, I, and, you know, besides the Liberty head coach, <clears throat> there's not a lot out there right now to get. All the coaches, yeah. the big coaches signed, uh, either their whatever their position coach whatever they all signed so getting rid of him now um, just might hurt the program more than keeping him yeah so I, I say you know wait out the contract um, and then you see what happens once that contract's up and see who's out there and who's available to get yep no I agree I, I think you know I think they're kind of they held on to him at this point. They know all the sanctions. They know all the violations. They haven't got rid of him yet. I think at this point, just ride him out for one more year. See what happens. If he doesn't turn things around in the field, then your reason for getting rid of him will be more field-related than off-the-field-related anyway. So that's what I think they should do. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, let's get to a couple um, fun questions this week. So the first one is, let's, let's take a look at um, – you know, who we think is going to be not exactly the top five teams of next year, but which teams perform well this year and, you know, what they're going to look like next year as, as potential uh, contenders. And those, those teams are Ohio State, Notre Dame, Georgia, Alabama, and Utah. 
So obviously we could have heard some other names in there, like the Clemson um, and Texas A&M. But one, I don't, I'm not a believer in Texas A&M yet. I, I have to see it on the field before I start prepping them as one of the top five teams. They have all the recruiting classes, but they haven't put together. And Clemson had a first bad season, and I haven't seen enough from their quarterback room to say they're going to magically turn things around. They probably they probably will get better, but I got to see it on the field first. So these are the teams we're going to focus on. We're going to look at, you know, what some of their strengths, what some of their weaknesses, really focus on their offense and defense. So let's take a look at um, Ohio State first. So um, I'll kick it off and I'll pass it over. Uh, but, you know, from Ohio State, for me, you know, obviously from the offensive side, they lost their three-star wide receivers. Um, you know, obviously the offense may take a little bit of a step back, but if you looked at the bowl game, those three receivers are out and they were obviously able to refill, you know, a bunch of four and five star Jackson Smith, you know, was able to come in there and just have a monster game. So I don't think they'll take a too much of a step back, but I think they will be some adjustment periods at the start. People have some take now on, on these receivers. They know what they do. I think they might be able to play better defense. So I'm interested in seeing that first game, their name in Ohio state, you know, what kind of defense they play against this offense with newer receivers in there. So that'd be interesting to watch. Um, obviously their, their running backs were young, so they, they, that could still be a strength of theirs, but where I think their weaknesses is potentially to be is the defense. Now they hired the new defensive coordinator and Jim Knowles, who did wonders at Oklahoma state. Um, but to think he's going to turn around right off the bat and they're going to be a great defense is, um, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll probably make some improvements. I can see better second half adjustments, things like that right off the gate, but it's going to take a little bit of time for him to turn this around if he's able to. So I think that's going to be continue to be a weakness. So I think they'll have to outscore some teams next year. I mean, most of the big 10, they'll be able to beat pretty easily, but I mean, did you have like another day, a Penn state and a Michigan on the schedule that we'll have to probably outscore a bit there. So that's, that's Ohio state um, in a nutshell for me. So Jordan, what about you? What, what are you, what are you seeing out there in Columbus? Um, this, you know, the same thing as you said, um, them losing some star receivers. Um, but, I mean, they're keeping uh, Jackson Smith, which, you know, if you watch that bowl game, uh, that was probably the best receiving game I've ever watched uh, in my life. Um, so, and they're losing, but I think they're, they're still, they're getting uh, four, four-star recruits in that receiver. So I don't think they're losing too much. And I think their offense and their offense coordinator and the receivers coach are pretty good at developing players. Um, so I think their offense is going to stay the same. I think nothing's really going to change. Um, but like I you said, the defense is going to need um, to step up a lot this year. And I don't think so. I don't think it'll happen. Um, I don't think they added too much or the, the new head, our defensive coordinator, it's huge to get someone new, but I, I don't see um, them stepping, their defense stepping up. Um, we saw it against Utah. They had to outscore Utah. We saw it against Michigan. You know, it's just they, their defense seems to stumble against teams that can score a lot. And, and it, it's especially physical, physical teams, too, is where they seem to run into trouble. Just getting kind of pounded at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And and, and getting a defense coordinator is great, but it, it takes a little bit for him to grow yeah. and change that defense. So their defense, like you said, is going to be the weakest link for them. Yep. Ben, any, anything to add on Ohio State here outside of what we already talked about? 
Yeah, you know, I've got Ohio State as my number one team in the country heading into next year. Mm-hmm. Talent-wise, they're not missing anything. The problem with their defense last year as you went along was the communication in the secondary. It was dreadful. So many breakdowns. Now, it wasn't Michigan State bad, but it was awful. And that's that'll be Knowles' first job to try to fix that. The talent is there, but they were very young. Lots of sophomores all over the defense. They'll be a year older. Every, every, team, every team we're going to talk about is losing people, right? question is how many and what positions well Ohio State is losing fewer than some of these other teams that we're talking about their young sophomores will be juniors next year on that defensive side of the football I do think they will improve they're not going to be Georgia good on defense no, nothing near that but they will improve just from that growth alone and hopefully Knowles can get the communication there in the secondary better the offense should just be a monster again so I've got Ohio State number one in the country I think the defense improves enough to give them a chance in some of these big games. All right. Uh, my um, family out here in Ohio will love all your comments, so <laughs> pass that along to them. Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, Notre Dame next. So, <clears throat> obviously, in Notre Dame, they're going to be pretty experienced team. I mean, they lost, obviously, some some, some players. Their, court, their quarterback, Kyle Hamilton, Kyron Williams, some, some good players. But they will have 14 returning starters on offense and defense. There are a lot of players that backed up their starters, that played a lot, will be, you know, elevated, including in that is quarterback Tyler Buckner, who will be either a strength or a weakness for the team as he, you know, he flashed both good and bad in his rookie year last year, kind of backing mm-hmm. up Jack Cohn. So with him taking on a job, I mean, we should know right away which one it's going to be. His That opening game versus Ohio State, what can he do there? I think – one thing, he can really open up the offense potentially with his running game and ability to throw it deep down the field. Um, but we'll see if, you know, if he's inconsistent and, and his accuracy is down. So that's something to watch there. Um, obviously, they did lose running back Kyron Williams, but I think with the stable running backs they have and their new running back coach, I think they're really able to develop the, the young guys that they have. And I don't think there's going to be too much of a drop off there. Where I think it could be a potential weakness on the offensive side is the wide receiver room. Obviously, Kevin Austin was is going to the NFL draft, and um, they had a few transfer out. So they really need to hit the transfer portal after spring to really shore up that team. If not, they're going to probably run with like seven wide receivers, and that I mean you're a couple injuries away from being like every, they have to play every down, which is what happened in the bowl game. There were young wide receivers are playing every down, and they got wore out, but at the end of the game were able to do anything. So you have to you have to shore up that room for sure. On the defensive side. Um, the D line will definitely be the strength. I think it actually has an opportunity to be the best in the country. Um, you know, linebacker play was a little hit or miss last year, but with uh, Prince Collie stepping up as a sophomore this year coming up, I think it'll be more approved. And they have four potentially star linebackers that they came in as as freshmen. They came in as early enrollees that I think will help. And they have the transfer Brandon Joseph from Northwestern. Um, but what our area of opportunity on defense will be a little bit on the secondary. It'll be interesting to see what how they can sure that up. Um, so, Ben, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Notre Dame? At Notre Dame, I, I love Notre Dame, by the way, even though I'm not as big a fan as you guys. I, I love everything about the Irish. The two things that I look forward to next year are that defensive line that you talked about. Even if you're pitiful at every other position in college football, if your defensive line is tough and strong and physical, you can stay in a lot of these games just through scheming and through the toughness of that defensive line. We've seen it for years with some of these SEC teams. 
almost all of them have tough defensive lines, even if they're lacking in other spots. My favorite player next year on, on Notre Dame, though, is Michael Meyer coming back at tight end. This guy is one of the best two or three in the nation. He's a lock for the NFL. He's going to be a big impact. I, I think they're going to they're going to use him up next year. I think he's going to rack up big numbers. So really, really look forward to seeing him on the field next year. He's a fantastic player. Yeah, no, I didn't even mention him in my strengths, but it definitely will be a strength, you know. Obviously, with the wide receiver room being a little down, I think the one area that Notre Dame's always good at is tight ends, and they have like five tight ends that can probably play next year. So, I mean, they'll be good there. Jordan, um, obviously, you know, you follow Notre Dame as well. So what do you think? What are your thoughts on Notre Dame? How would they do next year? Uh, it, it'll all depend on Buckner and how how he grows this offseason and, and gets in to his own uh, quarterback, quarterback style. I, I think um, Tommy Reese is going to be able to utilize him a little more than uh, last year just because he – he kind of get, he has, he's mobile, um, like you know the last couple of Notre Dame quarterbacks beside Jack Cohen. So um, I think that's great. I think their offense. He, he's going to come out and play a Notre Dame style quarterback that we've seen for a while. I think the loss of uh, running back is going to be a big thing. We all saw in the bowl game. Uh, I think forty two rushing yards. Um, they just. The rushing game is kind of poor right now. I think that getting that up um, is going to be a big test. And I think we'll know by, I think, the first half of the Ohio State game how Notre Dame season is going to go. Um, and their offense, wide receivers, and, and like Tony said, they're going to have to pull that transfer portal. Um, they, I, I don't think they got one – wide receiver recruit in they, did. they got one they got one yeah so um that's a big big uh area that they need to work on um but for defense i think it, it, like i said on offense it'll be with those young players um how hard they go this offseason how much better they get yeah um i think it's a good addition to get brandon joseph um he's you know a not what we've seen like a Kyle Hamilton, but he will step into that position and, you know, control, you know, kind of run the offense with these young guys or defenses with these young guys, in my opinion. So I think their defense with all the returning players is going to be their strength this year. And offense is kind of, we'll be seeing a new quarterback, you know, just all a lot of new things going on uh, offense, but defense, I think they're going to, that's where their strength is going to be this year. Yeah, for sure. But what I do think they have, have opportunity with the running game is Harry Heastand, uh, offensive line coach, is back in Notre Dame. I think they'll improve the offensive line. And with Buckner as a running quarterback, it opens up your running back to get more lanes as well with that offense. So hopefully that will open that up a little bit. So be interested to again watch that Ohio State game next year. That'll get answer a lot of questions about both teams. Um, we'll jump into Georgia next um, here. So for Georgia, you know when I look at Georgia. Um, they lose some, some good defensive players, but they've been recruiting, you know, one of the best recruiting teams in the last couple of years. So I expect them really just to reload there, just like Alabama does every year. Uh, but again, whenever you have younger, a younger team, you don't necessarily mean you're going to be just as dominant as a team before you. And they were the most dominant defense 
almost in history last year. So they're going to definitely take a step back. So there might be some opportunities as a, as a weakness there, but it won't be a very you know big weakness. Um, where I actually think the weakness will come from, and this is crazy to say, is they have their quarterback is returning since the Bennett, and I think that's going to be a weakness because I, I just don't – with not having as – at dominant of a defense, you're going to be expected to probably step up more with the offense. I just don't think he has that in him. So I think until they make a quarterback switch, I, I just feel like that's going to be a weakness that's holding them back next year and may cost them a game or two. Uh, but we'll pass over you, Ben. What do you think? What what, what, do you, what are your thoughts on um, Georgia? You're 100% right about Georgia's talent. That's not the problem, right? They are loaded, uh, as loaded as any team in the country other than Alabama, and, and maybe including Alabama. I mean, they, there is talent at every single spot. But no team in the country loses more good players this offseason than Georgia. To the NFL, to graduation, to the transfer portal, they're probably losing a dozen players on the defensive side of the football who made a huge impact last year. Not all of them were starters, but you're talking about your depth. They're losing more guys to the transfer portal from their depth. They're losing two of their best offensive linemen. They're, they're losing people everywhere. So talent's not going to be an issue, but experience is. And what that really means is instead of starting juniors, you're starting sophomores. That's one year less of physical maturity, which is a lot at those ages. That's one year less in the weight room. That's one year less in the scheme. That's one year less learning where you're supposed to be on the football field. And, and, and so Georgia, to me, takes a step back. What that means is maybe they're 10-2 and two instead of being the best team of the country. They're still going to be really good. They're still going to be in the title mix, perhaps, but they're not going to be as good as last year. They're going to be loaded, but you're right about quarterback. They have three guys with a ton of talent that the Georgia fans are begging to be put in instead of Stetson Bennett. They've got a four-star, two five-stars sitting there at quarterback just waiting to be put in. We'll see when the spring game comes if any of them actually get a shot at that starting job. They're all talented. But can they actually make a difference? And will they actually start this year? We'll see. Georgia's got two games in September that are losable. One's at Columbia against South Carolina, who's on the rise. The other is the Oregon Ducks. Uh, not that I expect Georgia to lose either of those games, but it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world, especially while they're getting some of these starters acclimated. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I do wonder if after the spring game, if it doesn't look like they're going to make any headway in the quarterback room, there's a transfer. Of one of right. those guys. And the safe, safe thing happened with Justin Fields. He yes. did it. They weren't using him right. He transferred. It ended up costing them yes. probably a national championship or two. And so right. if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm doing everything I can to do a dual quarterback system, bringing everyone of those young guys in and let him play. If not, you're going to lose one of them. So, uh, you know, they just got to keep an eye on that. Jordan, any any thoughts outside of what we already talked about with Georgia? Uh, it, well, we need, we'll have to see, you know, coming in. Uh, what quarterback progresses more? Like I said before, who shows out more this offseason? Who is gonna be that quarterback? And I don't think Stenton Bennett is that quarterback, but hey, if he comes out next year and plays the first game of the season, the best game of his life, maybe, maybe we were all wrong about him. But like you said, if that happens and you know. Without that defense, like last year, um, they're not. It's not going to be the same outcome. Um, and with Ben saying all the all the players are losing on defense, um, they also lost probably the best def defensive coordinator in college football this year, in Dan Lanning. So uh, 
now they're going to have to, instead of him building those young players, it's someone new building those young players on a different scheme. So that's also going to take a dip. So, you know, losing the players drops you down, but changing defensive coordinators is going to drop you down a bunch. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll jump into Alabama. Obviously, we mentioned him a couple of times. You know, look at Alabama. Bryce Young is back on as the quarterback and has a full year starting under his belt. And um, I think he's going to be motivated to continue that hot streak. And he played really well at the end of the season. So I expect him to kind of continue that. I also think that the offensive line will play better. It was kind of a weakness last year, but they hired a new offensive line coach. And I think they're probably going to put a little more emphasis on that. And one area where that will help will be, you know, is the running game with Jamar Gibbs from Georgia Tech, who is, you know, a five-star quarterback, a running back out of high school. And I think, like, he's just going to dominate an Alabama offense. He's going to be scary to watch. And, and he's, you know, honestly, he's why I think they're my number one team next year, just because the combination of Bryce Young and Gibbs in the backfield, I think is going to be hard for teams to overcome. Where I have a little questioning is the right receivers. Obviously, they got the transfer from Georgia, but – I'm interested to see some of their young guys step up if they could be as dominant as some of the past Alabama wide receivers. That'd be something to watch there. On uh, defense, Will Anderson is back. Probably angry he didn't get not even to get to Heisman, so he's probably going to be eating people alive in the defense. Um, you know, have a little more of a of a better defense. Got some good transfers and Eli Ricks and Jeremiah Alexander on the defensive side. So I expect the defense to be pretty good. Really, it's hard to find weaknesses on this team. Uh, again. It's going to be see if, if that quarterback room will be, you know, they had a little bit of a down here last year. So the quarterbacks and the offensive line, if they're approved, then I don't see a lot of weaknesses here. But uh, Ben, what do you see? Right, we look at Alabama. Well, the Crimson Tide aren't going anywhere, are they? I mean, they're they're going to be right back in the mix for this thing. And 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 if they're not the favorite, then they're one of the three or four favorites for the title next year. Bryce Young is going to have another heck of a season. We know that. The defense is going to be a year older. They're only losing, I think, four or five significant guys off the defense, something like that. Nothing near what Georgia is losing. Um, so uh, they're going to be more experienced. They're going to be loaded. Um, that offensive line, especially the two tackle spots, we saw it last year in the Auburn game. Auburn, it, they should have had no chance to be in that game, but they were able to get pressure on Bryce Young. He didn't have time to throw. That's what kept Alabama scoring down the entire game. They had like a field goal for most of that game. Uh, same thing in the LSU game. LSU was able to get pressure on the edges on Alabama. So Alabama wins something like 21 to 14. You saw it to some degree in the Texas A&M game. A&M was able to get some pressure on Alabama just enough to kind of keep themselves in that game scoring wise. So if Alabama can get those tackle spots figured out, and they're losing both of them to the NFL, but the talent is there. If they can get those tackle spots shored up, they should be right back there at the top, and it wouldn't surprise anybody if they won the title next year. They're just loaded everywhere. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like they, whenever you think they're slipping, I remember last year, they almost lost that game to Auburn. Like, oh, this is the demise of Alabama, and there they are. Um, Jordan, any, any closing thoughts on Alabama? I, I think they're going to be scarier this year. I think um, Bryce Young being a freshman last year, coming in this year, it's it, he's going to grow a lot. And I, I think their offense is going to be more electric than last year. I think their defense, Will Anderson's going to come out, like you said, have a, it, basically it's his, his revenge year for not winning Heisman. Um, so they, they are going to look scary 
and the players they brought in two positions, the wide receiver on offense, you know, the, the couple defensive players. So like, and the running back on offense, they're, they're going to grow more this year with Bryce Young coming in second year starter. Um, he, he, they're just going to look scarier than last year. And they're going to have a huge chip on their shoulder with the losses in uh, the national championship loss and the losses to Texas A&M um, and all the down talk about them last year and how they were not the same Alabama. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I think we're all aligned. I think Alabama is going to be good. So no shock there, people. Um, last team is Utah. I, I will um, I will say I'm out of all the teams in the top, it, it was harder for me to to know and find information out about Utah, but I guess that's not to, you know not surprising considering they're not as a national team as some of the other ones. But you know when I'm when I'm doing my research on Utah, I think they'll be you know continue to be good on defense. They're going to get a transfer uh, linebacker from Florida, which would kind of sure up some losses they had there. They have quarterback Cam Rising, who's going to start for the whole year, not come in after a couple games. I think is really going to really dominate a lot of Pac-12 teams with that offense. I think they're going to continue to own teams on the line of scrimmage, both on the offensive and defensive lines. I, I kind of just see them really, you know, owning the Pac-12. Where they're going to continue to run into problems is the talent gap. So they're not going to be able to out-talent you. They're going to have to out-scheme you, out-work hard, you know, be, be more dominant in areas that like a defensive line, offensive line where other teams, you know, will be more dominant with the wide receivers, as you saw in Ohio State. And they're going to have to figure out ways to outscore teams. Like, I see USC giving them plenty of problems because they're able to score a lot. But then I, I don't see them be able to stop Utah at all. So Utah's just got to really, you know, focus on what they're, they're strong at, which is running the football, putting the hands of Cam Rising and making good decisions. Uh, Jordan, what, what do you think about Utah? What do, what do you kind of foresee next year? I see them doing the same thing they did last year. Um um, if if they can build that defense up, I, I can see them competing with an Ohio State. Um, I, I don't see them being able to compete with Alabama or Georgia, um, just because they're not big, as big as them. They're not, you know, they haven't been at this place as many times as Alabama, Georgia has. So um, watching this year, they were electric. I mean, that Rose Bowl game against Ohio State that was a great game, um, but their defense really has to grow this year. Um, and yeah, uh, getting some transfer linebackers and things is good, but it'll have to transition down to the field and, and it'll just be something we'll have to see for ourselves. You can't really tell what Utah is going to do like every other team we talked about just because we haven't seen a Utah team like this. Yeah, for sure. Ben, any, any other thoughts on Utah? Yeah, I have a lot, but I'll keep them limited. Uh, the expectations are going to be bigger than they've ever been this year at Utah. And I'm 100% convinced that they can win the Pac-12 and get to the Final Four. Now, I, Jordan alluded to it. Do I think they can win the national title? Yeah, probably not. I think that's a totally different animal. But uh, this team is tough. They are physical. The tight ends are good. The, the linebackers are good. The defensive linemen are good. The offensive linemen are tough. They're physical everywhere. Cam Rising can throw the football for 250, 300 yards a game if he needs to. He can turn around and run it for 100 yards a game if he has to. He can, he can do anything. It pre presents a lot of problems for opposing teams. The Pac-12 is completely up for grabs. 
Oregon has more talent than Utah does, but Utah blasted them twice last year. Uh, so I don't think they're scared of the Ducks at all. The, the, the Pac-12 is there for the taking for Utah this year. Kyle Whittingham's been a great coach there for a long time. This is probably the best team he's ever had. I, I think they're going to have a heck of a season. Can they be consistent enough to go undefeated and have a chance to get the Final Four? We'll see. But they're, they're going to be good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really – I'm glad to see a different team, you know, having a good that we could talk about in Utah. I would like to see them, you know, make the playoff. It'd be great to see a different team, especially come out of the Pac-12 that's not USC or Oregon, you know. So it'd be good, good to see. All right, what's um kind of wrap this up here for a couple um couple fun questions here. Um, obviously with Tom Brady retiring, you know, many people when they think about who's the NFL GOAT, greatest of all time. They mentioned Tom Brady with all his various championships, things of that nature. So I want to ask you guys, when you think of your GOAT for college football, who's the name that comes to your mind? So let's start with you, Ben. Who's that name? Who's the GOAT in college football? Greatest of all time. This is so hard. You could list 40 different guys and not be wrong. I'm going to take a different tilt than you, and I know it. Two of the all-timers back in the day, Roger Stahlback playing for Navy, and Archie Griffin playing for Ohio State, uh, running back for Ohio State. Archie Griffin won the Heisman back-to-back two years. I think he's the only guy to ever do that. Yeah. Roger Stallback was unbelievable back in the day for Navy, passing the football. Those are the two of the all-time greats right there that I love. I hate to bring this name up, but O.J. Simpson playing running back for Southern Cal was completely unstoppable. Nobody could touch him. He was amazing. You go back and watch the film of him, he, he, was, he was incredible. Um, Two of the best guys that I personally ever watched myself were Peyton Manning at Tennessee. Even though he could not win the big game to save his life, he was unstoppable, passing the football all over the football field from the day he was a freshman till the day he left Tennessee. And and then watching Michael Vick play at Virginia Tech in the late 90s, he almost single-handedly carried that team to the national title game against Florida State. There probably wasn't one other Virginia Tech player that could have started for Florida State, but Michael Vick was the best player on the field that day. He was insane. So watching watching Michael Vick play was amazing. All right. Those are all, all good picks. I you know I, I definitely feel like all of them are deserved mention because they all did a lot of great things in college football. So that's right. Yeah, you can name probably 100 names. You, know, you probably can't be wrong. Jordan, um, what about you? Which who's your goat when you think of college football? You know, I not you know not to age Ben a little bit, but I, I can't go back that far and think of <laughs> players I've watched <laughs> like that. Uh, but one player that really comes to mind, you know, especially in my generation, uh, Tim Tebow. I mean, he was a dominant force. Um, he kind of gave me that uh, Tom Brady vibe in the sense that, like, you knew when he was playing you knew that he was going to do something special, especially, you know, in the big games. And, and that's what he did game in, week in, week out. Um, he, he put on a show. Um, and th- I don't know if anyone can compare to Tim Tebow in college. I think Tim Tebow is that Tom Brady at college, two national championships, um, a Heisman in there. He just was that dominant force. And I just don't not Ben's not wrong. All there are probably hundreds of players you can name that had, you know, outstanding careers in college, but just one name that stands it's it's Tim Tebow and how he, you know, put himself out there and played. Yep. 
no, definitely. Um, you know, like I said, definitely all good picks. Um, you know, when I think about it, you know, obviously Tim Tebow came to mind as well. Just, you know, he had some dominant seasons. I mean, I just remember back to his speech where he said, this won't happen again after they lost and they went on to win the rest of their games, win the national title. I mean, that's, that's, that's stuff of legend right there. Um, what I also thought about is, I guess, dating myself a little bit was Charles Woodson um, in Michigan. Um, I've never seen a more dominant player in college football, honestly, if I, you know, he played defensive back and this, some of the interceptions he had in, in college was just outstanding, but then he also played wide receiver. He also did kickoff and putt returns. He just affected every part of the, of the game. He won a Heisman. He won a national championship. He, so he had the awards to, to kind of go along with it. So I always think of him too, when I'm thinking of people that are dominant and my other person mm-hmm. I think of is Reggie Bush. I know we, he doesn't probably doesn't exist in the record books because of whatever happened there. But um, I just never, whenever he touched the ball, this like fear was in all the players' eyes because you didn't know if you'd be able to tackle him or not. I just remember some of those, you know, Thursday, Friday night games where he just ran wild with some, you know, Pac-12 or MAC team that had no business even trying to tackle him. And so helping USC when I don't know one or two national championships during his time there. Um, but he was pretty dominant as well. So those would be my my goats. I think like I said, no, we can't, I don't think none of us are wrong in our picks there. Um, in the final, to wrap this one up, let's talk about the Super Bowl, who we think is going to win. So um, obviously we have Cincinnati at the Rams. So Ben, you know, you're, you're, you know, our fellow NFL expert with NFL podcast. So tell us who is winning this game. I give me the Rams, but I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I think either team could win. I love Joe Burrow. How can you not love Joe Burrow? <laughs> I mean, the guy's fantastic. But uh, I, I think the Rams have more talent. I think they're going to win the game. I think it's, I think it's going to be a lot of big plays. I don't think you're going to have a dull moment in this football game. I think Sean McVay is going to put together a fantastic scheme this time around, which he didn't do the last time around against the Patriots. Uh, so so give, me, give me the Rams. I think they get enough pressure on Burrow to maybe get an interception and a few sacks. So give me the Rams, but it's a fantastic game. All right, Jordan, do you agree? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with the Rams. Um, one thing, though, Tony, you said uh, Cincinnati at the Rams is actually the Rams at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is the home team for this game, technically. So, but yeah. um, they, are, they are in L.A., though, folks. So, I, I, got, I got the Rams on this one. Uh, like Ben said, I, I just think that the Rams have, you know, a, a great offense. You know, the players they have, Cooper Cup. I think Cooper – no team this year has stopped Cooper Cup, and I don't think Cincinnati is going to stop him. Um, but, you know, the nine-sack game Cincinnati had and still won, the defensive – this is probably the best – one of the best defensive lines in NFL, and I don't think Cincinnati's offensive line is going to be able to stop Everyone coming at them. I think there's going to be loads of blitzes uh, on against them. I, I just think the Rams are going to pull this one out, and I don't think Cincinnati is going to be able to stop the onslaught that Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup are going to put on them. All right. Well, I guess I'll be the one to disagree here. So we were just talking about goats, and I'm going to go ahead and go with the new goat of the the NFL, Joe Burrow here. Um, was going to pull this one off just like he did in college, just like he did against everybody's favorite Chiefs. He's going to go out there and he's going to he's going to pull out the victory no matter how many how odds are stacked to get some. I think you know 
I think he's honestly already the best quarterback in the NFL. So I'm going to go with him to win this game. I don't care what the Rams prove. They, they were going against a very statuesque Tom Brady in the last game, and they almost caught that game up. I don't, I don't see that, you know, they're not going to be able to stop Joe Burrow. So um, give me, give me Cincinnati, give me the home team. I'm from Ohio. So give me, give me that Cincinnati Bengals to go in there and upset, get their championship. I'll be going down to Cincinnati reporting from the parade. So um, we'll let you know, that's, that's what I think is going to happen though. All right. With that guys, we'll wrap up this podcast. We'll, you know, be back next week with, some more news, probably some more drama going on in Michigan, Arizona State. We could bring bring you updates on in Auburn. Um, so until then, we'll see you next time, guys. Bye.